Hello, everyone, and welcome to Next Generation Saints. I'm your host, Nick Coons. So it's been a little while since I've done any podcasting. I've been, been pretty busy right now over here ever since uh, the holidays have been ending. Trying to get everything back on record, but I thought I'd go ahead and make an episode with you guys today and have a little conversation. This one's going to be on Catholicism, more about Mary being the eternal queen of heaven. And that's right, that she's considered to be the eternal queen of heaven. Eternal. That's, uh, wow. So anyways, right before we get started, this episode is actually sponsored by my store called Camping Heaven on Spotify. Go over there and there's going to be all sort of, uh, some things up there that are actually going to be uh, for your camping needs, like uh, camping cookware, uh, stoves, just to be able to go out there and really enjoy the outdoors. So if you have a chance, please go and help out Camping Heaven, put it in an order, and get some camping supplies. Leave a comment down below about what you'd like to have, and uh, if you have any suggestions as well on the podcast, go ahead and contact me at nextgenerationsaints at gmail.com. Now, with that out of the way, let's jump right into this. So, Catholics have been well known for really doing a lot of Mary worship. Now, I know when I say that, if you have any Catholics around you, the first thing they're going to say is, this guy's no idea what he's talking about. We don't worship Mary. Mm-hmm. I've heard that one before. I used to work over at a property called uh, for a company called Mark Taylor over in Phoenix, Arizona. Here in Phoenix, well, over in Phoenix, Arizona, because I live in Surprise now. And over there, I worked with a lot of very great people. But whenever I had to work on a room, the majority of the people who lived there were Indian descent or from immigrated from India. Now, if you know anything about India, uh, the religious belief over there is actually Hinduism. It's a polytheistic worldview, and they basically and they worship a plethora of gods, hence the polytheism. Now, when I work on their rooms, I would see all sorts of sh- uh, shrines. Right? They'd have basically they had their main god that they would pray to in a shrine, and it would take up one of their uh, the cabinets, like you, where you put your usual like uh, dinner plates or cups, or whatever it would be. And so we'd have these conversations, and I would be in there fixing things like light bulbs, or I'd be fixing the fan, or the fridge, or whatever it may have been that they were putting the work order in. And one time, one of the guys I kind of got to know was talking to me about how he had been approached by, he, we were talking a little bit about religion because I saw, oh, I was like, oh, nice shrine. You know, he had a bookshelf and it was a shrine of his goddess. And you know, I'd seen plenty of them. And I just kind of commented like, oh, wow, that's that's kind of a big one. Nice size. And he started talking like, oh, do you believe in all that? And I'm like, well, no, I don't believe in that. I'm actually a Christian apologist. I'm not trying to dive into it, not trying to push anything. But yeah. And he goes, oh, he goes, so you're a Christian, so are you a Mary worshiper or a Jesus worshiper? And I go, well, I'm a, I'm a Jesus worshiper. And I go, but wait a second, hold on. What do you mean Mary worshiper? And he goes, well, there are people out here that I've seen countless times who have gigantic statues of Mary in their apartments. And they have candles around them, books around them, burn incense around them, all sorts of stuff. And they're praying and they're even saying, Hail Mary, full of grace, all that stuff. They're praying to their, their bend on these. I recognize it. It's Mary worship. I was like, oh, okay. So that kind of drove me into this whole thing of, okay, um, I've come across the same thing. My mother-in-law is a very strong, very devout Roman Catholic. I mean, um, if there's uh, – having a conversation with her on Catholicism is like having a conversation with Bob Worley in regards to Jehovah's Witnesses. She's a plethora of information when it comes down to the Roman Catholic Church beliefs. Excuse me. 
Um, she, she is a very strong believer in the Roman Catholic Church. So I remember having conversations with her, and they were not very fruitful or productive because I'm one of those people who like to question everything that comes to me. So when you have a worldview, a religious worldview, I'll be like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Can you explain this and this and this and this? And they'll just drive anyone who's listening to me up the wall because most people are not used to questioning their faith or their belief systems. So I started looking into what is this Mary worshiping thing was going on. Now, the first thing when I say that, there's going to be Catholics say, hey, we don't worship Mary. We have never worshipped Mary. We only think of her as a role model to follow. And I think that, you know, and that's what I see. And I look and go, well, I think that Paul is a great role model, but I don't have a statue of Paul that I prostrate myself in front of. A lot of Catholics will say, well, we, we don't worship her. Well, anyone, this is where I look and say, you're in denial. If you're a Catholic worshiping Mary, you are in denial if you say you're not. <clears throat> the reason being is this. If I got a picture of the Hindus or... Buddhists or Muslims, and they're praying at something, prostrating, you'd say that they are praying to something. They're worshiping something. That's why I look when I see Mary. You guys have statues in your in your in your masses, and you go and pray to her. You do the the rosary, whatnot. So you guys do actually pray to Mary. Catholics pray to Mary. They worship Mary. It's how it is. I never encountered a time where I talked with a Catholic about how wonderful Jesus is. Where Mary is not engaged in that part of that engaged conversation. Where it's like, I love my heavenly mother. Oh, well, the Bible doesn't teach you have a heavenly mother. But that's, that's, that's not what the Catholic, the, the Catholic Church teaches. You have a heavenly mother, and I have a great relationship with my heavenly mother. Okay, because the Bible teaches about having a relationship with Jesus Christ, nothing about Mary. But this is where it's arbitrarily invented by the Roman Catholic Church, and I'll go into this. Mind you, some of these words are Latin, and I don't understand what they say. So, here's the first and foremost one. The virginity of Mary. They'll always say, our favorite virgin, our Virgin Mary, the Virgin Mary. You always hear that, Virgin Mary, left, right, and center. But was Mary truly a virgin? See, um, um, i got to pronounce this name right, because I'm going to so butcher on this podcast. Um, Agnostius of Alexandria, I'm pretty sure I butchered that, declared Mary a ever virgin, and the lineage of James, the brother of Jesus, likewise required as um, as doctrine of Mary as ever virgin. This was invented by somebody. Now, everyone will always talk about that, like in the Catholic Church, say, oh, she's eternally virgin, she is going to remain virgin, she always was a virgin. Now, here's the problem. Here's what we come across. So, Matthew chapter 1, verse 25. I will actually, I'll actually start with verse 24 and go to 25. Follow me if you would like. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife. Verse 25. But he did not consummate their marriage until she had given birth to a son and, named, and had given him the name Jesus. Really fast, what does consummate mean? Take a look at it. It means that you're engaging sex. You're, you're finalizing a marriage through sexual intercourse. When you get married, I got married. On my wedding night, I'm up in the bedroom doing it with my wife. 
everyone's everyone I just heard everyone go, oh God, he's talking about that. Oh my word. Yeah. That's what happens. You get married, your wedding night, you're having sex with each other. That's why they always joke around and say, and it's not really a joke, but it's true, because it's true, you're not gonna get much sleep the night of your mar- your wedding night. Because you're out having sex with your wife up in your bedroom. They that's consummating the marriage. That is natural. It happens all the time. I've never known where it doesn't happen. Where someone's like, oh, I'm getting married, but I'm not going to have sex the first night. No, no, no. That's why they say they're going to rush off on their honeymoon. They're going to, you know, jokes are, I've been plenty of weddings where people are like, I'm turning my phone off. I'm not going to call you anytime soon tonight. Don't worry about it. Because <laughs> they get it. You're going to be in bed with your wife, doing, you know, having sex. That's what happens. So Joseph, after Jesus had been born and named, had sex with his wife. I know this is completely mind blowing to anyone here. Mary, the Mary, the, the 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 wife of Joseph, is having sex with her husband. Yeah, do you think their marriage was going to last if Joseph was told you can't touch your dick to jack off and you can't grab your wife to have sex with? Do you think Mary would have taken that either? Like, oh, I can push baby out my vagina, but I can't have sex with my husband. No, that's wrong. We read in the Bible about how Jesus had brothers and sisters in there. Who is my brothers? Who are my sisters? When it was when his family was meeting up saying, hey, Jesus, what are you doing over here? And even people like, hey, Mary, uh, Jesus, your mom and your brothers and sisters are here. And Jesus does this little kind of analogy type thing. Well, they literally meant his blood brother and sisters are there. Mary and Joseph had sex. They produced offspring in the confines of marriage, which is what it's supposed to be. So the Roman Catholic Church continuously trying to defend her vaginal status as she's a virgin is not accurate. It's an invention of, I believe, purity. Oh, if she's never had sex, she, she remains pure. Well, then, dang, I guess God condemns everyone to be impure because we all decide when we get married to have sex with our spouses. Guilty as charged. I guess I'm not pure because I'm not a virgin. Because I have sex with my wife. <laughs> All right. So the next one here. After that really tension-filled, really, oh my gosh, everyone turns red because you're hearing about sex. And um, by the way, if you can't talk about sex at all, can't talk about that, don't read the Song of Solomon. You'll have a heart attack. So here's another one. The, the Catholics invented the Queen of Heaven. We've all heard that one, right? Mary is the queen of heaven. The title queen of heaven, or I'm going to butcher this. I'm just not going to say it. For Mary, goes back to the at least the 12th century. Wow, so the 12th century, not the 1st century, 3rd, 2nd century, 3rd century, whatnot. For the people who were the eyewitnesses, to the people who knew the eyewitnesses, Mary was not the queen of heaven to any of those people. It was all about Jesus. But in the 12th century... The Catholic Church decided, let's invent that she's the Queen of Heaven. The subject of also drew from the idea of the Virgin as the throne of Solomon. That is, the throne that, on which Christ's child sits in a mandona and child. If I am totally butchering that word, mandona, I guess that's what it says. I, I have a hard time with that one. It was felt that the throne itself must be royal. Um... I was aware only in the Bible of one throne, that was the house of David, and that Jesus sits at the right-hand side of God, that's in the book of Revelations, 
<coughs> you read about how the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world in the book of Revelation, sits on the right-hand side of God, and God has given him all of the judging of heavens and the earth is upon him. He is Lord. Wasn't that what we called him? I don't recall anyone in the first century when I read the Bible, which records everything happening within a few months to the first year or two of Jesus Christ's resurrection. Anyone saying anything about Mary apart from, well, Mary conceived a child. She was betrothed to be with Joseph. Joseph was from the house of David, had to go to Bethlehem because that is where the city of David is. And that Mary raised Jesus with Joseph they had a bit of an issue, obviously, with uh, the governors trying to kill Jesus. After three wise men, they had to flee to, e uh, to Egypt. Then, e then, when the time was right, the angel commanded that they leave Egypt. And so they didn't settle in Bethlehem because uh, Joseph was nervous about it. So they settled in Nazareth, which is where you come across, Jesus of Nazareth. So I don't recall anywhere in those scriptures, including to the part of the crucifixion of Jesus, where Jesus says, hey, um, be, uh, you know, uh, Peter, behold your mother, your mother, behold your son. Well, he's passing her on to be taken care of by Peter at this point. So I'm like looking, going, I don't see her being queen. And I know I've had Catholics have said that. Oh, that's her. She's she's gonna go pass on, and she's gonna be handed over. And look how Jesus treated. Am I like going cool? What gets me is my mother-in-law will get so hardcore in depth into this, like crying her eyes out, tears of. Just such, like, emotion. Like, when Jesus is turning water to wine, like, Jesus, you know, told him, hey, listen to this woman. And it's like, that's why we should honor her as a mother, as Jesus' mothers, because he told us to. No, he was at a party and told them to listen to Mary, because we are to do the same thing. No, he was only instructing the servants at the wedding to go and listen to what Mary said. If Mary, uh, well, Mary said, oh, he, no, he didn't do that. He what he did is Mary crossed over the line, which was a social norm, to go talk to Jesus. Jesus then said, it's my time, it's not come. Mary then said, follow everything that has done it. And he obliged, even though it, was his, it wasn't his time yet, he obliged his mother. And he got all teary-eyed about, this is a sign that God honored her. We need to honor her. No, you're inventing things. You're making things up at that point. That's the craziest part. You make it up. And say, it's there, it's there. And it's like, I don't, it's, no, it, it isn't there. It's a very simple story. It has profound hits about uh, our social statuses, but it wasn't like we had to honor Mary because Jesus showed something like that. No, Mary's dead. We can't honor a dead person. I'm sorry, you can't. No, here's the crazy thing. So, um, the earliest record um, prayer of Mary is a sub Torum. Um, in the 3rd and 4th century, the earliest descriptions of her are from the Basilica Catacombs in Rome, early 3rd century. Again, these things are not, this is over 300 years after the fact. You see, I hope you're seeing a common trend here. The earliest record of prayer to Mary is, oh yeah, I told you that one. Um, Mary felt no birth pain. That was another one that was invented on top of that for the Roman Catholic Church. You got to realize these things are not found in the Bible. None of these things are found in the Bible that who sh that she's eternally virgin, that she's the queen of heaven, that she felt no birth pain. None of these things exist in the Bible. And the only way I've ever heard any argument against it is not everything's in the Bible, Nick. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Yeah, I never read once read a verse where the Bible can that God conveys in His Word called the Bible that the Bible is not sufficient for everything we need. 
That is invented because you guys want to invent it. Mary, um, and here's the thing, Mary is traditionally said to have appeared. See, this is like I asked, like, when did she start these visions? These crazy things saying that there's a vision. You'll have these, um, what was it? Um, like a priest who claimed that he saw Mary in a vision. And this was, Mary was traditionally said to have appeared in the English um, Carmelites, I hope that's not butchering that, priest Solomon, um, Simon Stock in 1251 AD and given him the Carmelite habit, the brown Scott Turl. So she, they had a vision of her showing up. A vision appeared, right? But the crazy thing is, when Mary showed up, he was telling, she was apparently telling these priests to stop praying to the psalms, praying the psalms to God, right? When we go through like, like when we were singing our worship songs at church, a lot of these worship songs stem from psalms, from proverbs, from the Bible. We use these as worship to God. And here she is apparently in apparently in a vision coming in and telling. Well, what have we learned about spirits that come to us and present a different gospel than what we have been given? What have we learned about like the Mormons that believe that the Book of Mormon, the Pearl, um, the Pearl of Great Price, uh, Doctrines and Covenants, where what have we learned so far from the Bible that teaches us about this? What have we learned about anyone who comes with a different gospel message. It comes from Galatians chapter 1 verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Paul's writing this. If someone, a spirit, or someone in the flesh shows up and starts giving you a gospel other than the Bible, other than the gospel message to you, the gospel, the good news message, the gospel that Jesus, that God so loved the world, he sent his own son to die on the cross, to live the life you can't live, the one I can't live, to take upon your sins and my sins, die on the cross, and three days later rise from the dead, and that this if we put our faith into Jesus alone, we will make it into heaven. That gospel message that through Christ alone, through faith alone, without works, through Jesus Christ alone, sufficiently made it so we can go to heaven. If anyone presents to you any other gospel apart from that message, may they be under God's curse. Again, Galatians chapter 1 verse 8. So these Catholics are saying, oh, I had these visions. They had this and that, this and that. And these spirits are leading them into um, idolatry. Where you're praying, you're prostrating yourself to to a statue of Mary. To where you're holding a rosary and going, Hail Mary, full of grace, Mary, Mary, Mary. When you're talking about this, it, it when it takes place, it gets to, it's just amazing to me that this kind of stuff actually happens, and that people follow follow this. Now, here's what I'm going to point out here is now I know one of them like this, like when you're praying, now God intercedes for us, right? Like Jesus Christ is our intercessory between all of mankind and God. He is a mediator because we cannot come into God's presence. We are sinners. 
Every last one of us. But when Christ died for us, he became the intercessory between all of mankind and God. Remember, he teaches us in the Bible. And let me pull this up really fast here. Because it's a really good verse to pull out. Let's see here. There is... When he points out, he actually, first thing that pops in my head is First Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between mankind and God, Christ Jesus, the man. There's only one mediator between, all of, between God and all of us. Now, here's the other one. When Jesus is talking about this, when he's our mediator, he also brings up this. John fourteen six. Jesus answered, I am the truth, the way, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You can't go through Mary. You can't go through the saints. You can't go through the apostles. You can't go through anyone. It is only through Christ that you can do it. He is the, only, he is the truth, the only way, and the life. He is the only mediator. Again, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. But there is one God and one mediator between all between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. Right there. So if you're going to Mary and say, oh, Mary's going to go pray on our behalf. Mary's going to go do this. The saints are going to do this and this. It is invented. God never sanctioned it as in holy. He never once stated that this is correct theological belief. God has never put it forward that you should do this. This was all arbitrarily invented. That's what we need to take a look at. If you're a Catholic, I hope you're looking at this. And if you're not a Catholic, I hope you're looking at this too and probably telling your friends or family who are Catholic. The hardest part is when you receive the truth. (laughs) You shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. That's right in the book of John, after um, um, chapter 14, verse 6. If you're hardcore into Mary, then you're not into Jesus. I've actually seen many times I've had to tell my mother-in-law, you're not in love with Jesus. You're in love with the Roman Catholic Church. And that's been really hurtful to say to her. It's probably been really hurtful for you to say to somebody, you're not in love with Jesus. You're in love with the Roman Catholic Church. So who do you really believe in? Mary and the Catholic Church or the Bible and Jesus Christ? The choice is yours. So, time to think. So, until next time, we meet again. May God richly bless you all, my dearly beloved.